Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome to the inaugural Sneakers and Cleats podcast, where a couple times a week we take on some big topics, mainly the Spurs and the savior, Victor Wembenyama, the Dallas Cowboys. But we will have one podcast per week dedicated to San Antonio high school athletics. That is a promise I'm going to make to you. The episode today, it's our draft preview, a deep dive into what drafting Wemby means for the Spurs, and I don't think it can be overstated that it means a whole heck of a lot. Some housekeeping to get to first, though. Now, this is a brand new podcast, so it has some ups and it has some downs. It has some goods and some bads. The good, it's new. We can do what we want, format it how we want, play around with it, kind of see what works and see what doesn't. The bad is there's going to be some trial and error. We're going to do some things, try some things that work. Some that don't, we're just going to roll the punches. We're asking you guys to roll along with us. Give us your feedback, too. You should be able to get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So go on there, subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, and then resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. Give us a five-star rating. Leave some feedback, whether it's positive or negative. We want to hear from you what's working and what's not working. As my fellow podcaster, Chad Millman, says, one of the podcasts I listen to all the time, Feedback is a gift. So whether it's positive or negative, send it our way. Maybe we'll read some uh, on the podcast at the end. And uh, try not to make it too negative, though. Don't be mean. So uh, I'm Matt Roy. I got my sports journalism degree in at ASU and have been working ever since. Been here in uh, Springfield, or Springfield, San Antonio, for about a year and a half. But makes my job easier is having two legends alongside me uh preeminent voices of san antonio sports for a long long time now guys i don't know about that matt for you maybe coming from springfield the rest of these people listening are sick of us already (laughs) (laughs) haven't caught on to us yet i mean the the jig's not up yet so uh don harris is the first voice you heard chuck mccatinick the second voice you heard don why don't you give me give us a little intro give the people uh little bit of insight into who you are. Well, I grew up here from San Antonio. Chuck and I were uh, rivals in high school. We didn't know each other, but our two high schools were. We're both from NEISD schools. I went to Churchill and uh, University of North Texas, where I was in the Mercer Mafia, the legendary sports broadcasting school with guys like Craig Way and Dave Barnett and on and on and on. And uh, started here, actually in television. I started in radio in Dallas, but Started here in 1988. I've been here ever since and been the joy of my life to cover my hometown team uh, and hometown uh, being able to stay at home. You know, been so, able to do a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. A lot yeah. of finals to cover. A lot of finals, a lot of Super Bowls, and we don't want to talk about when because that would make us sound way too old. <laughs> you know, the other day uh, I texted David Robinson because it was the anniversary of – the 20th anniversary of his last game. And when you think about that, not his first game, 
his last game. David Robinson has been retired for 20 years. That made me feel old, so I wanted him to feel just as old. You want to know how old I was when that, that day when happened? When he retired? Yeah, when he retired. Were you born? <laughs> I was born. I was, what was that, 2003? June uh, 15th, 2003? Yeah. I was eight. Eight, yeah. If that doesn't make you guys feel old, I don't know what does. Which means you weren't born when he was drafted. No, I was not. Was I wasn't even a thought when he was Chuck drafted. Chuck and I started working here under the, in the David Robinson days. So what, 34 years, 33 years? 33 years at Channel 4. All right. Yeah. Chuck? Yeah, similar story. I mean, I was a military kid, so I went here to high school at Madison High School for two years, my junior and senior year. Went out of state for a year, a small school in Wisconsin. Loved it, but it was tough playing baseball and going to school at the same time. Baseball part was fun, school and baseball at the same time. I had to make a judicial decision. <laughs> you're not good enough to do anything other than do where you're at right now. So transferred to Texas State, got my first job in Laredo, Texas in late 88, Worked at a other TV station here in town. Um, gosh, what year was that? Late 80s. I'm not really sure the exact time, but was there for three years and then came over to Fox for the summer of 95 and been here ever since. Yep. I mean, came with the building. Pretty much. <laughs> You know, Alex beat me here by six months, but we're one of the few guys that started at the very beginning. When did they start doing news at Fox? It was May or March of of 95. And I came over here late July or early Is that when they got... uh, I still wasn't born yet. Fox was kind of born when... when they the got NFC, NFL, NFL yeah. NFC went to Fox. Mm-hmm. I remember being at that Super Bowl when they announced that it was going to go there. But I don't remember thinking at the time how much difference that would make for the San Antonio market as far as launching a news, a news organization. Well, I don't think a lot of people knew that the way things are now. I mean, right then it was we were literally, we thought we were week to week. We didn't know if we were going to be around for a week, a month, a year. And so 28 years later, here you are. Right. I mean, so, I mean, the approach was literally win the day. Cause if you don't, you may and, not be here tomorrow. And I remember thinking, God, those guys have really screwed up NFL football because they put this thing up on the upper left-hand corner with both teams names and the score and the time. <laughs> and that had never been done before. And now we couldn't watch a game without knowing what the score and time is. Yeah, I work at a CBS station, so, you know, they lose the NFC package. And I'm thinking, I never even heard of Fox. Like, what, what's going to, like, are we going to be able to even be able to find games? So, yeah, it's kind of funny how it all turned yeah. out. And now yeah. they've hosted Super Bowls and gave birth to Joe Buck and all these things. And here we are. Um, so we gather here today. On this wonderful day before the draft to talk about the uh, savior of San Antonio. Right, Don? Well, possibly. Possibly. Possibly the savior of San Antonio. The potential savior of the Spurs, for sure. So Victor Wembenyama, 19-year-old phenom out of France. What... He's seven foot five and basically plays like Steph Curry. (laughs) And plus Nikola Jokic, plus... James Harden plus anybody, any other superstar. I I think Giannis and KD are the two uh, comparisons that I think are most Both big skinny guys. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think when he adds some weight, uh, 
and his shooting ability and his handles. I don't think he'll ever be Steph Curry with his handles, but um, he's going to have the ability to shoot over anybody. And the fact that he's mobile enough to get to a spot to shoot over anybody is what I think intrigues scouts. The fact that he can handle it, um, you look, you know, I think the expectations have to be realistic because he's going to get pushed around a little bit, especially if they play him in the post. But, you know, again, potentially nobody's ever seen anything like this. Have you, you ever seen any, anything like this? Jeff? No. And it's, it is funny how things kind of come full circle. I remember when LeBron came into the league and very early on, the Spurs just so happened to be on the CW and we were doing a game down there. I'd never seen this kid. I never saw a frame of video of this guy. You know, you heard about the hype, but it was all from NBA circles of people that were, you know, that followed this guy's trajectory or when he started getting on the radar. And I just remember before the game, it's like my kickerilla, the producer, it's like, okay, we're going to do a lot on this talent that we haven't seen. And I was like, dang, really? We're going to do this? We're going to start hyping this guy? And Sean Elliott's like, man, I'm with you until I've seen streams of video of this guy recently and the frame at his age he goes i have a feeling this the hype train is going to be right on this one and he was dead on it, spot on it seems like with the lebron and so it's kind of like that yeah different frames obviously and you know with big guys you're always worried about injuries and how are they going to hold up over the course of a career but because he's 19 years old, you know, Shaq wasn't always the wide guy, you know, when he was that age, you know, he got pretty thick, pretty quick, but you know, some of these guys, because of their age, I mean, they're not done growing. They may be done growing in terms of North and South, but East and West, you know, who's to say with the right nutrition and the right people around them, I mean, you can't spread this guy out East and West. And then what is that going to look like? If you can put 30 pounds of girth on this guy and it fits his frame well. I mean, now everything that we've seen, right. I mean, it, it's it, it really is something to think what you might have in this guy. And the injury thing is a real concern. You see Chet Holmgren, the skinny kid that came out of uh, Gonzaga this year, got the foot fracture and he was out all year. So, I mean, those skinny framed guys don't tend to hold up well, especially in the beginning when they're getting banged around you know, by people who look like Zion, well, even though he can't stay on the field. I think I was talking to Mike Finger about this the other day of the Express News. True, that seems to be an uh, uh, a uh, impression because of guys like Chet Holmgren, Bill Walton had foot problems. Uh, but when yeah. you start thinking about when you start thinking about the seven foot four, seven foot five guys, and you go back and look at their careers, these guys played like Sean Bradley played ten years, uh, Mark Eaton played twelve years. Um, it's not always the fact that a big guy like this has foot problems and. You know, it's obviously, you know, it could be a fear. You know, you look at Sam Bowie, he had stress fractures. Um, certainly right. possible. But there's been a lot of guys, 7'2", seven, 7'3", seven, and taller, who had good long careers. They didn't move like this guy. And the other thing to consider is, is this guy has kind of been created in a lab uh, from the time he was 9 years old. From the time he was 13 years old, he's been doing feet training strength and condition, uh, conditioning exercises on his toes daily. They know that this is a possibility. I've seen crazy videos of this guy clawing his way across a wooden floor with his toes to, to work, 
to work on his feet. And so everything with his team of trainers and has been thought of. Now, it doesn't prevent it from happening, but I, I think it's a little bit misleading to say just because he's tall, we should be afraid that he's going to have all these injuries. That's fair. The symmetry of everything is kind of uh, interesting. You heard Chuck say LeBron. It seems like every 20 years there's someone that changes the game, that, that takes over the league, and it seems to be Wemby's this one. 20 years ago it was LeBron. 20 years before that it was Michael Jordan. Every single 20 years it seems like there's somebody that does that, and apparently that's what happens for the Spurs too. You got David Robinson right. in 89. You got Tim Duncan in 98, 97. 97. David and Tim were 87, 97, exactly 10 years ago. Thank apart. you. Yeah. Um, but the the differences, though, is they came in and they contributed right away. They were in ready-made situations, right? I mean, David Robinson came in, I believe it was 89. They had a 51 season that year. Timmy came in. They won a championship two years later. Those expectations that are being heaped on to Wembenyama to win 50 games this year with this team is what's the difference in those two things, in the, in those three things? The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Well, who expects it, right? I mean, I don't think I, I don't expect the women's Spurs to win 50 games. I think it's our, partly our job to manage those expectations too. If you think that Wembenyama is going to come in and win 50 games with this roster, no way. Now the Spurs, if you think back to David in 87, they have, they were awful. They were 20 and 60. And uh, they had Alvin Robertson, Frank Burkowski, and Peter Goodmanson and a bunch of guys like that. They made big trades. They brought in Mo Cheeks, who was an all-star point guard. They brought in Terry Cummings, who was an Eastern Conference all-star forward. They drafted Sean the same year in 89 in that David was 87, but he had to sit up for two years. Sean was the number three overall pick. So they had two instant rookie starters to go along with two veteran all-stars plus Caldwell Jones and some other veterans that they assembled that team that summer. So I think we got to wait and see what the Spurs do this summer. Do they add a guy like Terry Cummings to help this kid? Or do they wait a couple of years when Wimbanyama is going to be filled out a little more and not waste a lot of that draft capital right away? Well, let's hear from uh, Antonio Daniels, who you spoke with uh, a little while ago. He was on the 90, he was on the championship team, that first first championship team and played with Tim and saw everything kind of come together. So let's hear what he has to say about uh, the differences between drafting Wemby now and drafting Timmy back in 97. I think the biggest difference um, is the situation that Tim stepped into. And, and I think that's what's kind of gets lost here. You know, as he's moving with, within the city and people constantly asking me about Victor Wembanyama, and the question to me always is, do you think he'll bring us a championship this year or next year or the year after? And the thing that I don't think people understand is how difficult that is to do. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm saying it's hard to do. Tim stepped into a situation where David Robinson was here. Sean Elliott was here. You know, Avery Johnson was here. Just a couple years removed from being an all-star. Right. David so, was still an all-star. Correct. So you're stepping, what Victor Wimbenyama is stepping into is a situation where the Spurs had to tear it down to build it back up. Right? And when you tear something down, that means you have to start from ground zero. But I tell you what, if you're going to start from ground zero and have an opportunity to rebuild this storied organization from the memories and the way that a lot of us remember it, 
you got the right guy in Victor Wembanyama. Chuck, is he on point? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not going to debate the guy with that many <laughs> skins on the wall. Plus, what a great guy Antonio Daniels is. You know, it's hard to know how the Spurs are going to pair this, right? Because I think the expectations are apt. I mean, he's coming in with a lot of hype. Just like when Zion came into the league, you feel like this is going to be the guy that changes the face of the franchise, right? He's got other issues now. <laughs> but, yeah, and it's not fair to compare the two, obviously. I'm just talking about, right. you know, the 40,000-foot view of how the machine works to, you know, build some excitement going into a season. So, I mean, for me, I think the hardest thing to understand or to try to figure out is what do the Spurs really have, right? I mean, when they were playing everybody at the beginning of the year, they looked like a pretty competitive team that played well together. They had guys doing the right things. They had all these different things that looked like they might have a pretty decent team, at least a competitive one that you could put on the floor every night. Then you get a, get, get a couple guys banged up, then you start resting guys, you start experimenting with the roster. I mean, obviously the Spurs are trying to figure out themselves you know, who plays best with each other, which guy can really play, which guy can play in crunch time, all these different things. So, you know, maybe the first part of if you bring Victor Wimbanyama in is trying to figure out, you know, how much of this are you going to have to just kind of let simmer a little mm -hmm. bit, see exactly what you have before you start trying to bring in other pieces. You know, I if it was me, I would do the slow build. If it was me, you know, I'd probably try to figure out how to get into maybe getting two of the top three guys. You know, I mean, if you could do that and have these guys paired together and let them grow up together, you know, I mean, because I think the league can be had right now. I mean, it is hard to win a championship, but I mean, you can make the argument over what we just saw this year. Maybe it's never been easier. I mean, it, it's it's hard to win right now, as last year last year proved with super superstars. And a lot of them on a roster. You know, look who was left at the end. I mean, two teams that you never thought at the end of the season were going to be there, and yet they were, and then one won a championship. I mean, obviously, Joker's a yeah. super, superstar, but there are not a lot of those guys around him. I kind of feel bad for Wemby a little bit because he's coming into a situation where he's going to – he knows he's going to be the number one pick. He almost slipped up in an interview after his last game where he said he had to go back and forth from – almost said San Antonio – but the elation that he's going to feel tomorrow when he walks across the stage, shakes hands with the commissioner, finally knows he's the number one pick. We, none of us know what that's like. Obviously, we've never been number one picks, never drafted. But Antonio does. Antonio talked a little bit about how he felt and how Wemby might feel when he walks across the stage tomorrow. As a child, if this is something you dreamed about, so just take it out of the basketball realm and put it in any realm where you are minutes away from your dream coming true. You know, like that, that's a, that's a different feeling that a lot of people don't get an opportunity to really experience and to be sitting in that green room at the time with my mom and my grandparents who were passed on my college coach, my best friend, Colin Bryant, my sisters. Um, and then knowing that when that number three pick happened, who at the time was Chauncey Billups, Right. Yeah. To Boston. And I knew I was going forward to Vancouver to realize, man, I am literally minutes away from my dreams coming true. Like getting an opportunity to do something I am passionate about and love doing. It, honestly, Don, it's tough to really put into words.
So what do you think that pressure is going to be like? How, how long is that, that kind of elation for Wemby before he realizes, oh, this is like, I have this to go save the city now almost. And listening to this kid, I don't, I don't think there's pressure with this guy. I think he, he, he's expecting this and has been expecting it his whole life. And, you know, from the time he was nine years old, he was taller than the dads coaching his team when the other kids were two foot six. And again, he's been managed and trained and, and fully, he'd be disappointed if he wasn't the number one pick. And that goes back to four or five years ago. And I don't think he's coming into any better situation than in San Antonio where Pop can manage those expectations. Um, he's going to be joined by a lot of young guys. There's already like four other 19-year-olds on this team. Um, so, you know, he's got people around him. He's got Nike. He's got McDonald's. He's got all these people around him. He's been going through this superstardom in France for two years now. I don't I don't know that he feels pressure. Um but isn't there something to say, like, if there's been no one that's come into the league that's had this kind of pressure on him since LeBron? And LeBron arguably lived up to the, to the expectations. If he doesn't, if he ends up being someone that plays for 10 years and has a decent career, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. technically but a I disappointment, think that's, you know? I think that's a couple years down the road if he's a bust. I don't think immediately, I think there's a, I, I think most people should know that there's going to be a process. Look at, I, I kind of compared it to Giannis. Giannis came in and it took him four or five years to go from 190 to 240 pounds and slowly become an all-star. And then now look, he's, he's hyped more than that. So I think a lot of people think he'll be an all-star in year one. I don't know that I have that expectation for him. I think it's possible, but if they don't win right away, you know, I mean, Jordan didn't win till year seven. LeBron didn't win until year seven with all his hype. Yeah, I mean, he but he made a he made one that faced the Spurs in 07. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and, they got swept. But <laughs> yeah, and I think I think Wimby again, if you if you surround him with the right people, I think he's got a chance to make the Spurs competitors in year three. I next, think. I think so next soon. so next year when people are looking at the Spurs and they end up winning thirty five games, they go thirty five and forty seven or whatever the math would be. And people are like, oh, he's he's disappointing already. What what is is that a successful season? Thirty five. I I don't think so. I Chuck and I both agree with this. I think we watched this team absolutely shut games off in the fourth quarter that they could have won. There there's a there's a reason that you tank, and there's a reason they call it tanking. And I think Pop was pretty good at it. And I think there were they won twenty eight games. I think they were a forty win team last year if they tried to win forty. I think they could have won it's, for it. It's interesting you say that. Sean Elliott, we, who we also spoke to last month, he said something similar to those, to those, along those lines. And he kind of commented on how he's going to mesh with Shohan and, and, and Kelton Johnson and all these guys. Plus, this team could have won more games last year. They just didn't. So let's, let's hear from Sean. He's the type of player that uh, is going to fit anywhere he goes, uh, be it a, a system or a, uh, um, a type of offense where you uh, run a lot of four down like we did with Timmy. Uh, he's going to fit in with any type of player uh, because he his ability, his, maybe his best ability is to make other people around him better. So uh, I have no doubt that he's going to enhance the game of every single one of our guys. And so 
like I said earlier, not only am I excited for the city, the organization, I'm excited for the guys uh, that are going to play with him next year. When you looked at our, look at our record, it's not really reflective of the way our guys played. Our guys played hard and they played the right way. Is one of my comments that I had with you know, other commentators around the league. You know, pretty much at the end of every game, they'd look over to me and say, "Hey, that you guys don't look like a 15 and you know 45 or 15 and 55 team. You guys don't look that way. You guys play hard and you play the right way." And so it's a great reward for those guys. Chuck, do you do you agree? I mean, is it were they a 41 team last year if they stayed healthy and they tried to win? Yeah, I mean, I think low end, right? I mean, how many games did they blow late, right? I mean, at one point that was all we were talking about, right? There was and one they, game last year where they beat the Nuggets by like 40 or 30 or something like that. It was late in the season. They finally had everyone healthy and they just trounced the Nuggets in Denver, I think it was. And I don't think they're, I don't think you can say this enough and nobody likes talking about it, but it's true. You try to lose. They tried to lose games last year at times. They pop would, you know, they would be up 12 going to the fourth and they'd have guys and they'd pull them out with eight minutes to go. And, and these, and the guys look, look a little confused. Keldon Johnson played it better than anybody. <laughs> Keldon Johnson would have to face the media after knowing that they intentionally lost a game and not say it publicly because they didn't want to be Mark Cuban and getting in trouble with the league. But I, I really do believe that there's an artistry to tanking. And I think, you know, they did it as well as anybody last year. Yeah, you just manage the minutes differently, right? I mean, it was pretty fascinating to watch how they did this. And again, I think more fascinating that somehow, some way, the ping pong balls flew their way again. I mean, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense in the real world, right? That yeah. you could have lightning strike a third time. I mean, every day it's you shake your head. I mean, especially when you had a 26% chance of getting, what, the sixth pick? Done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a 14, a weighted 14% to get the first pick. And yet, well, here think, we are, I destiny as, arrives at their doorstep as again. As soon as we saw Houston uh, pop up at five, I think we were all just like, or was it Detroit? One of those two teams Detroit. at five. Yeah, once and, Detroit. And we were all like, oh, okay, this might happen. I then Houston thought, at four. And that's uh, when Charlotte, you know, I was watching it with Chuck and we, I never let myself get there. Even when it was between them and Charlotte, I went, okay, Scoot Henderson, that's going to be a nice addition to this team. He's going to be really good. Like he could be Dwayne Wade. He could be really good. And then boom, Charlotte. And I was just like, no way. <laughs> no I've way. never seen you happier in that, in that moment. I, I don't know if it was happiness as much as I was just shocked and joy. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, happy for the city. You know what was interesting? They didn't win anything other than the right to win Yama. But this mood around town was the same as it was when 99, when Sprewell's shot was an air ball, and the same it was in 03 and 05 and 07 and 14. It was um, this feeling around the city, people were driving around with honking horns and stuff. It was like San Antonio as a city needed that after what they've been through the last four or five years. Last couple of things I wanted to get to. Chuck, you mentioned it earlier. What are the chances that they draft and or they go back into the top five? They have so many assets over the next five years. You know they're going to take Wemby at one. We all think. <laughs> you got another couple of generational talents in the top five. Or not generational, but very good talents. Brandon Miller out of Alabama. Scoot Henderson playing in the G League last year. What do you guys think the chances are that 
they see, okay, we might not be the best team next year, but let's build with a couple of these guys together, let them mesh kind of like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. did and see kind of what Denver did. And they get back into the top five and they're like, all right, Scoot, Wemby, that's the future. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If it was me, that's exactly how I would do this. Because the best thing, Matt, about rookies is rookie contracts. And so, you know, we've seen how these contracts have kind of been the millstone around the neck of some of these teams as players get older. And, you know, if they've already won, maybe they're not the same player. Maybe there's not the same energy or the same drive from some of these guys. And I'm not saying all of them, but to me, this would be best served. And if you could get not one, but two studs with all the draft as uh, prospects that they have, or, uh, you know, the, the draft uh, collateral that they have, Right now, in terms of future drafts, I mean, what is it, eight first-rounders in the next 13 in the next six? Yeah. Not as many as the Jazz, but pretty close. <laughs> right. But, I mean, so, you know, like, if you're if you're willing to say we're going to slow build this, and if we don't think we have a championship-caliber team next year, we're going to have a competitive team next year. I think they will have a competitive team next year. But if there's an opportunity, again, it takes two teams to trade, and I'm sure – the teams that have those picks are looking at this too and thinking, geez, if we do this, even if we have future picks, but again, every team's in a different situation, but I know how I would do it. I would do exactly like Yeah. And I think Kellen Johnson's a number that you could move. And a lot of teams would like to have a a young Kellen Johnson on there, especially those teams that can afford the luxury tax. And that's another thing we got to consider is the rules are about to change dramatically. uh, Salary cap wise. Mm -hmm. But isn't Kelvin one of those players that, I mean, the feeling I get around town is that they'd like to keep Kelvin. Sure, this, sure. Especially fans. No, no, no. I, I, I agree. But he, his contract is the most movable one. Mm-hmm. When you, especially if you, they're really high on Malachi, and he's the probably the one that gets the least amount of hype compared to Devin Keldon, um, and the other younger guys like Wesley and and Trey Jones. Uh, but they really like Malachi. They really like Devin. Uh, so those are your your perimeter player, your wing players. They need a point guard, uh, and they're always going to do something different than what we expect, right? I mean, Kawhi Leonard was a name no one had heard when they got him at 15. Josh Primo was a guy nobody had heard uh, at 12, and nobody in a million years thought Josh Primo was a guy on anybody's radar when he was close to more 19 and, and in mm-hmm. the 20s. A name to watch out for is this Koulibé guy who is Wimby's teammate in France. He's also 19, and he slotted around top 10 pick, 7, 8, 9, 10. I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe traded into that range uh, and paired these two French kids together. They're best friends. They love each other. And uh, Koulibé is a hell of an athlete, uh, really, really talented. Do you think that – this isn't on the run now, but I'm just curious – um, 
that Chris Paul would be a decent person to bring in. I mean, he he's obviously there's a bunch of bunch of rumors surrounding him, bunch of rumors and, and odds that he might come to San Antonio to help out with the development for two years. Chris Paul put him on this, on a team that's still building. I don't think so. His money's too big. I don't think they want his money. Chuck? Yeah. Again, with some of these guys, all I see is corporations and brands. And, you know, would he be the guy at this point in his career that you want as the leader of your locker room and teaching younger guys? Potentially. But, I mean, again, do you need somebody like this at this point? I mean, at 19 – this kid's probably already dealt with more things and ex- been exposed to things in a positive way that he's had to learn how to deal with. He's always been the center of attention, no pun intended. You know, there's been so much heaped on him already. I just don't know that you, at this point, do you really need outside forces coming in and potentially those forces not meshing with the direction that this organization wants to go in. I mean, I I just don't know that they're in a position for that. And I don't know that you can say that the kid needs it at this point. I mean, mean, he's done everything to this point. And obviously even as a rookie in the NBA, he's going to struggle. You got to think. So how's he going to deal with that? How's he going to manage that? Do they need out other players? I mean, sure. But I would think Keldon Johnson would be a perfect guy in that scenario that could say, Hey man, this is just the way it is. And, Here's how I did this, and here's how I managed this. And obviously the expectations are going to be different. And maybe a guy like Chris Paul with his resume could fill in a couple of blanks. But, I think again, I don't know. I, I'm just I, – I would say you got to wait and see what you have before you start thinking about, okay. Maybe, bringing people in. Maybe yeah. next offseason. Because maybe it's not even a super, superstar. Maybe deadline. it's just a guy yeah, that's – You know, maybe it's just a player that's been around the, the league that's been a grinder. For 10 years. And that's what I think. Like, like, a, Jamal, I think like a Jamal Crawford kind of type. Like a PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker. Like, a, like an Al Horford. Just a, a grown up who can give some muscle, you know, because they have none other than, than Zach now that they got rid of Jakob. They need some muscle next to him, kind of like Terry Cummings was for David. And they need a point guard. Um, but I think I think a guy like Chris, Chris Paul, you know, the guys like Kevin Durant, James Harden, I put Paul in that in that category of guys who just suck all the energy out of the room um, because of their egos and their stature. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with Chuck that it's got to be more of a, just a solid old vet that like a PJ Tucker, he's the one that pops in my head. Um, just, who's just going to teach him about, this is what you do when you check into a hotel on the road. The right this is what, it. yeah, this is how you get to practice early. This is how much, how you watch film, those kind of things. All right. We can't talk Spurs without talking pop. Last thing, um, let's let's hear from Sean on, on how he thinks that Pop was reinvigorated because the man is still not under contract technically right now. I'm sure he's going to be invigorated, and you know his juices were really flowing last year. But he he has a chance to uh, teach another great player, and uh, I, I'm sure he's going to make the most of it. And I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the coaching staff. Um, I'm excited for anybody that gets to work with him because he truly is uh, one of a kind. Don, you're the you're our Spurs insider. What do you what do you think is going to happen with Pop and his contract after Wemby's taken and if all this stuff happens? I think he coaches three more years, minimum. Minimum. I think I think he was going to coach maybe one. Um, I know he's told people over the course of last season who've asked, and people seem to always want to ask, and he's a little offended by it. Um, 
what am I going to do? Play golf? I hate golf. What am I going to do? Hang at the country club all day? And that's what he says. He likes doing this. He's, he's, remember, he's, he worked under Larry Brown. He's a teacher first. They like teaching the game, win or lose. He's the only guy who's got job security who can win four, 20 games for four years and not get fired. Monty Williams can't win 60 games and get fired. He's still got fired. <laughs> uh, he's, got the, he's got the system on cruise control. He's got a bunch of young kids doing his work for him. And he makes $12 million a year and flies and stays in Ritz-Carlton's and drinks nice wine and has expense accounts. Who would give that up? Why would you retire? It's like Pat Sajak. Pat Sajak worked four days a week and made $15 million, four days a month, four <laughs> days a month and worked, make $15 million a year. Pop's not giving that up. So three, four more years and then, then getting, getting out of there, maybe one more championship run in four I, years. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think championships really are the goal at this point. I think you, I think you'd like to put his imprint on this kid and teach him the right way to play and then hand him off to somebody else. Uh, I think the kid's potential gives them a chance to be contenders. I don't know if they win another championship in Pop's era, but I just think from him personally, he likes doing it too much to give it, give it up now. Yeah, you, you got a lot of stuff to look forward to tomorrow as Wemby walks across that stage and Don looks up two feet above him and there's a... If he's available to us. <laughs> you know, he's like Elvis and Beyonce. I don't know if we're going to be able to get him one-on-one. It's, you've, I mean, Shaq grew up here. You've interviewed Shaq hundreds of times, I'm sure. How, he's taller than Shaq. Shaq's the biggest human being you've ever seen. This kid's skinny. I've seen Yao Ming. But he's taller than Shaq. I mean, he's he's, taller than you're going to have to like get on a crate or something. But he was taller than Shaq. Uh, Yao Ming was taller than Shaq too, but Shaq to me is, was bigger than Yao Ming. So, well, yeah, he played at 300. I'm sure pounds. they'll have this kid. I'm sure this kid, this kid will be sitting down at a conference table and we'll be standing and we'll be about the same. All right, good. I'll put you on my shoulders if we really if we really need, need to, to get that shot. Step ladder, boom, Mike. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this that's it for this edition of sneakers and cleats. Obviously, heavy on the sneakers, not so much on the cleats in this episode. Uh, remember to subscribe, rate, review. Let us know how we're doing. Maybe we'll read a few of them on the next episode. Who knows? If you give us five star rating, read a few of them. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed this. I know I did. Enjoy talking to uh, my bosses. Hopefully, they they like the way this comes out too. So we'll see you guys next time.